This is a download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number 308. You're listening to the Rab TGO Challenge. Part 6. The 2010 event was blessed with incredibly fine weather as the 300 or so participants made their way during the month of May from the west to the east coast of Scotland. For those not familiar with this event, it is one which is totally unique in that it isn't a race or a competition. Its sole objective is the same now as it was over 30 years ago when it first started, to foster good fellowship amongst walkers within the framework of a challenging 200-mile expedition. And that is about it. You can approach the trip in any way you like. There are those who carry everything and travel through remote high areas, not meeting others at all, and walkers who use local bed and breakfasts and hostels and keep to well-trodden, easy paths. Most people do something in between and make it as easy or as hard as they personally wish. Routes are submitted and vetted for safety purposes and suggestions, and a small team in control track people as they amble their way, making sure rescue and advice is always at hand should it ever be required. I have had the unenviable task of editing the audio material gathered en route by Andy Howell and Shirley Worrell this year. Sadly, Rose and I didn't make it this time, and I hope I've compiled the material I do have in a way which is entertaining and informative. As you listen to this, it is worth keeping in mind that Andy enjoys a lightweight approach to his walking, and Shirley is, well, torn between stories of ghosts in haunted bodies and the finest of local foods. So her route was anything but direct to incorporate those interests. Walkers start on the west anywhere between Torridon and Ardrashaig and aim to finish somewhere between Arbroath and Fraserborough on the east coast. Andy started at Dorney, while Shirley set out from Oban. They both recorded a wide range of interviews with people they met along the way, some of whom I have names for, and others I have yet to work out. However, by the time these podcasts are released, I'm hoping the show notes will contain all the missing details. So here we go. Let's just let the story naturally unfold as told by Andy and Shirley and those they meet on the RAB TGO Challenge 2010. conditions forecast. Mostly dry and bright with some very warm sunny spells breaking through today. After any early morning mist and hill, fog thins and lifts. However, some showers are expected over the Argyle Hills and the Trossachs at first this morning before crossing the Persia Hills and Ockhills. Into this afternoon, some further showers will develop, some heavy and perhaps thundery. However, the north and northwest highlands will stay cloudy today. There will be some rain or drizzle here with coastal mist and extensive hill fog affecting the Cullens and neighbouring coastal ranges. At Munro level, the winds will be westerly 25 to 30 miles an hour with gusts 45 miles an hour, giving some buffeting on the summits. The temperature will be 9 Celsius. Well, good morning everybody. It's um, just after 9 o'clock at Roxac's Bunkhouse in Braemar. Um, where I arrived yesterday, well, I arrived in Braemart something like 11 o'clock. Um, I was walking alone until I got to Mar Lodge, and then, of course, I saw a sort of congregation of people wandering along, and I came across David Alban and Heather, so we walked together for a little while. Um, and then I saw um, a slightly disreputable-looking challenger wandering along the road in front of us. I wondered who it could be, till I noticed that uh, challenger was wearing um, a cashmere jumper with uh, holes in the elbows, and I realised it must be Humphrey. So that was really exciting. So I dashed up and said hello to Humphrey, and we sat down by the side of the road for a while um, just to chat and have a cigarette and watch as other people went by. Um, but we eventually picked our packs up and got into Braemart probably about 11 o'clock. Um, sunshine was absolutely fantastic. It must have been... Well, I should say it was probably in the high 70s and there were groups of people standing around outside the five farms and some people sitting inside the five farms and drinking and chatting and sort of talking about the experiences of the last week. And, um, well, you know, having something to eat and talking about whether we're going to stay and all that kind of business. Um, and so that's kind of how the day went, most of it. With a I had a little visit to the walking shop, bought a pair of trousers and some gas. And then came up here to rucksacks rather late in the day, later than I'd intended, perhaps not until about 20 past five. Um, 
And anyway, um, the fantastic Kate took my washing away and did it for me and then pegged it out on the washing line. It's an absolutely brilliant place to stay here. It's a very lovely and friendly bunkhouse, and Kate's wonderful. Um, and so after that, I sort of got my, collected my parcels, organised the food, and uh, eventually jumped in the shower and went up to the, I think, I can't remember if it's the Moorfields or the Moorhouse Hotel, but anyway, whichever hotel it is that has the bash, and Bingo Wings, the band, were there again. Um, and they were on great form, just as they were last year. So uh, some wild dancing was had, and um, lots of alcohol was consumed, happily not by me on this occasion. Um, about half a pint was more than enough. Um, and then got a good sleep in a bed here on a mattress, um, very relaxing, until about just before 7 o'clock when some bikers got up and I think woke us all up, um, bashing around in the kitchen. But that was okay, because it's meant that there's been plenty of time to make sandwiches and things. Um, that I hope will see me through the next few days, planning to uh, trot down to uh, Stan and Bill's later on today. Um, but I have a visit to the walking shop um, between now and then and, and various forms of dossing. So I've been sitting around here in the kitchen chatting with other people staying in the um, bunkhouse and everybody now has departed, well, left the room anyway, except for Jamie, who's um, kindly agreed to say hello. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning. So um, just, just tell us a bit about your challenge. Uh, are you walking alone or are you walking with Natalie? Natasha. Oh, Natasha, I beg your pardon. Uh, we started in Strathcarran on the Saturday afternoon, Saturday lunchtime. Okay. And then um, did a few of the Munros above Loch Manar. Right. Uh, Strathfarra over to Canick, Drumnod Rocket, through the Monolith to Aviemore. Then the Larry Grew. Right. And then walked in here yesterday to Braemar. Right. And what sort of weather have you had on the way over? Uh, Windy and rainy the first couple of days, and then baking hot after that. Right. And how many... Is this your second challenge? Second challenge, yeah, okay. for both of us. And what do you think of it so far? Loving it. Yeah. It's great. And planning to come back next time? If my wife will let me. Right. Yeah. And what do you think of the bunkhouse? It's, uh, it's a lovely place. Yeah. She's uh, really welcoming. Yeah. And uh, it's clean, it's tidy, and it's, uh, it's cheap, so... Yeah, it's excellent. So where are you off to um, after, after here? Uh, going to Lockalata Lodge, which is a, an epic walk of maybe two hours. Yes. Um, have another party. Yeah. And then um, do the hills of Loch Nagara tomorrow. Right. End up uh, Tarside Tuesday. Uh, going past Charbothy and then camping somewhere Wednesday night and then finish at Johnshaven. Okay. Are you going through the Fetteresso then? No, we're just staying, staying south of the Fetteresso. Right, okay. So I didn't, we went that way last year to Dunnerton and I didn't like the Fetteressos. Yeah. Managed forest, it's a bit boring. Yes. Okay, well, listen, thank you very much indeed for agreeing to have a word. So um, I'll see if I can capture some other victim um, as he or she comes in shortly. But um, for the moment, um, I'll call it a day and continue with my preparations. I think we have to leave in about an hour. Oh, well, in fact, 45 minutes now. I think we need to be out by 10, and it's now quarter past nine. So um, I'll grab somebody else later on and uh, hopefully be able to record something at Stan and Bill's. Um, I'm not sure whether I'm going to be able to do that at Stan and Bill's because I haven't been yet and I know that lots of drinking goes on. Uh, and I'm not sure whether Andy Howell is going. Um, I hope that he is, or, but I suspect that he isn't. Uh, if he is, then I've no doubt that he'll, he'll record some stuff. But anyway, um, from me for now and also from Jamie, it's goodbye. Well, good morning, listeners. It's half past 11, um, just after that, and here we are at the Hungry Highlander. Sort of strolled into um, the village from the bunkhouse about an hour ago and went down to Braemar Mountain Sports, which is a wonderful shop. Um, had a great time um, watching um, John Joyce choosing a stove, um, and then we had a look for a Neoa, and I bought a, a platy with a drinking tube because I regretted having left it at home. And then we wandered over to the Hungry Highlander to have some breakfast, and since I missed out on the fish both yesterday and last year, I thought I ought to have one. And I've just eaten something that is sort of approximately the size of a whale, absolutely enormous thing. And I just asked for a scattering of chips, but even my scattering of chips was approximately twice the size of the average portion in any other chip shop. It really is a fantastic place. So I'm sitting around with um, a few challenges here. Well, um, first of all, I have... Alastair Puna. And also... John Joyce. Okay. So, John, tell us about your journey so far. Yeah, well, it's been a cracking crossing, as ever. Um, the weather's been fairly good, um, varying from cold and a bit damp to blisteringly hot sunshine. Um, too hot to walk at one point. One day I spent two hours sat in the sun 
just waiting for the uh, temperature to subside. It was just so hot, it was unbearable. Uh, we've all got more more of a shade of brown than we would normally have, I think, at this stage. But it's been great, it really has. And uh, as even now, um, just over halfway across, um, I'm planning next year's crossing already. And uh, hopefully I'll get on and it'll be just as much fun. So, have you been walking alone or walking with others? I've uh, been walking with a mix. Um, started off uh, with um, another challenger and uh, he went his way, I went mine. Uh, met up with Alistair for a while. Walked with Alistair for a couple of days, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. With Alan and Phil. Very uh, uh, very nice cheese and wine evening at Geldy Lodge uh, the other evening, uh, which was very pleasant. Sat in the, uh, the late evening. And... Um, We'll be repeating that um, above Lockley tomorrow night, which is Monday. Um, there'll be a number of challenges attending, I'm sure, and uh, yeah, should be good. Should be good. What's your plan for this evening? This evening is to go to um, Locality Lodge uh, again. I don't get there every year, and I should do really, because Bill and Stan are absolute stars, and they make everybody very, very welcome. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that again. Have a bit of a, a few beers and um, have a bit of a sing and. Uh, It'll be nice to be in the company of all the challenges, everybody in the same state of mind. Perhaps a little bit wobbly, but uh, all very happy and probably slightly tired as well. Although perhaps a bit refreshed after uh, a rest day in Bremar. You just swapped your stove, so what were you using and what have you got now and why have you made a change? Uh, I had an Optimus Nova. I still have an Optimus Nova uh, multi-fuel stove. Runs off liquid fuel. I've been ringing it off Coleman and it's been very good. He has developed a slight fault, but nothing serious. Certainly nothing I couldn't. Uh, live with um, but I've been looking at the weight of it and it really is too heavy so I've now bought myself a, a little gas stove and uh, I'm going to try that for the rest, the rest of the way across. it's a little Vago thing and it was only 12 quid so if it doesn't work out it's not the end of the world but uh, having seen other people use gas stoves the convenience of just one click and you've got instant heat um, is certainly attractive I'll just probably use the Optimus Nova for colder weather um, the winter stuff um, I'm not yet convinced of gas but everybody says it's the way to go so cool okay thank you well, oops Alistair tell us what kind of a trip you've been having so far um, as John was saying the weather's been uh, um, mostly nice um, a bit too hot the last few days um, I've generally had a reasonable high level route started at Malague and took the uh, ferry across to Noidart spent two days climbing hills in Noidart, but not making very much eastward progress. Only got as far as Sully's Bothy at the end of the right, second right. day, which is, is only, what, half a day's walk or so from Inverie, So Is that because you were collecting Monroes? Yes, yes. I, I, I spent time up on Larvan and uh, Looney Ben and Milbudi. It was very nice. Very nice way to spend time. But to catch up time, I then, uh, on the third day, walked from Sully's Bothy over into Glendestry, then all the way down the length of Loch Arcade to just try and actually catch up progress. And um, where, are you go well, where are you going this evening and where after that? So staying, uh, staying in Braemar for another night this evening, having oh, a right. whole day off. Right. Um, then tomorrow morning, off up to, uh, towards Loch Calata, stop in for tea in the mid-morning, then on over uh, Broadcairn and Carnbannock and heading towards Sheelan of Mark. Um, probably not going to get all the way to Sheelan of Mark, camps are en route. And then off to Tarfside on Tuesday. Right, excellent. Um, John, I just remembered, actually, you were telling me you stayed at the Tom Doon Hotel this time. Ah, oh, yes, the Tom Doon Hotel was a bit of a letdown, I'm afraid. The, uh, never stayed there before. Um, is that what I did? I stayed in the bunkhouse six years ago, which was, wasn't very good, but it was a bed for the night. Um, the Tom Doon Hotel, I have to say, was pretty appalling. Um, the charges for accommodation were completely inconsistent. Some people were paying £50 a night. I paid half that. Um, service was appalling. Um, the charges were extortionate. Um, I got charged 40p for a pint of water. I wanted a pint of water before I had a pint of beer. And uh, the bill was little under £4. So um, I shan't be going again, I'm afraid. Um, I think the guy shot himself in the foot. Um, the organisation... The place is just just dreadful. The only good thing I could say about it was that uh, the bedding was clean. Um, other than that, I really haven't had a great deal of good to say about it. Although to be fair, the evening meal was was very good. Uh, the chef clearly knows what he's doing. Just a shame the chef wasn't doing the breakfast the next morning. But 
there you go. It's um, not good, but I think probably possibly this time next year the, the place might be closed because you know news like that will travel fast. People people won't go back. I certainly won't, and I'm sure everybody else who was there will do the same. It was a bit disappointing, really, I suppose, when places that people have regularly gone to over the years, um, uh, well, um, deteriorate in terms of the standard of service that they offer. Um, but there you go. It's useful to know, I suppose. We all kind of learn from other people's experiences. And, um, and um, sorry, just, we're hesitating here because we're waving at a couple of people. Uh, Lee Wells just wandering past up there. Um, look as though they're setting off for a very long walk. Um, yes. There is another person sitting at the table who we haven't had a word with yet, and that is... Lindsay Pirola. Okay. Lindsay, um, what, are, what are you doing here at the moment? Um, I'm up to see my husband because I'm um, 29 weeks pregnant, so I'm not doing the challenge this year. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So, will that be your first child? Uh, yes, it is. Okay. So. <laughs> so, we might not be on next year's challenge, <laughs> but we'll have to see. And how are you feeling? Uh, not too bad. A lot better since the kind of first half of the pregnancies. <laughs> oh, well, that's good to hear. But will you be com you'll be coming over to Montrose, I think. Oh, yes, at the end, yeah. Right. And I'm seeing Alistair in Brecon as well, because that's where he's going on the way. So. Right. Okay. So it should be good, yeah. Good. Well, thanks for that, everybody. So um, f uh, for, for now, from me and from um, Alistair and Lindsay and from John, um, it's goodbye. Point. Hello again, listeners. It's me again. Um, just when I turned the thingy off, um, Jill started telling me an exciting story about a lightwave tent that, they, uh, using, uh, that they're very pleased with, with which they had an extremely exciting adventure at some stage last year. So Paddy's going to tell the story. Well, it's, it's funny in retrospect. We, we, we hiked the Cape Roth Trail last year, um, last April, and on about the fourth day we were at Kinloch Hoon, happily sleeping, when at six o'clock in the morning Jill shakes me awake and says, wake up, we're being attacked by a stag, and of course I didn't believe her and told her to go back to sleep because I thought she was dreaming. And I looked down the bottom of the tent to see antlers stuck through it. Oh my God. So after a few kicks and not budging it one inch, jumped out of my sleeping bag and uh, grabbed the walking pole. Naked, by the way. <laughs> Naked. And, yes. And ch chased these two, um, these two stags down, down Kinloch Horn at 6 o'clock in the morning in the buff. Um, I think Kinloch Horn will probably shudder at the memory still. <laughs> my God, so when you got out, did they run away or did oh, they yeah. try and... I think some, some, a farmer we spoke to put it into perspective. He said they shed their, their antlers at that time of year and it's a bit like toothaches, so they, they rub their antlers on anything they can find, and it's seen our nice green tent and thought, oh, there's a mound I can rub, our, rub my antlers on, and uh, you know, I think it was, it was rather surprised to, when, to, when someone jumped out of this mound of what it thought was grass. Yeah. And so did the tent survive? The tent was knackered, we had to take a detour, um, we, we carried on to um, Shield Bridge, man, it had to stay in a and b there, because it was in no fit, you know, it was, it, was, it was raining, it was in no fit state to use. Um, where we found out that there was a gear shop in, in Dorney, which was very handy. So we, we, instead of taking our planned route, which would have taken us around the Falls of Glomat, we took a detour into Dorney, um, and we'd, we'd rung ahead and, and had a good selection of tents, and we, we picked up a, a very good recommended gear shop. They, they posted our old battered tent back, back for us, uh, and we've just, just, this, just this year managed to get around to getting a replacement fly sheet for it, so all good. So just, what tent is that then? Um, it's a Lightwave T2 Ultra XT, which some people might think is a little bit excessive because it's got this massive porch on it, but between two people it's, it's not a problem and it's a really nice tent. Right. Well, thank you very much indeed for telling us the story. It's, uh, it's a lot more exciting than anything that's ever happened to me walking around in Scotland. Um, thank God it didn't happen, but anyway, I'm glad to hear that both you and the tent survived and thanks a lot yeah. for that. Well, good evening, listeners. It's 25 past six, and uh, I'm trudging along the path from Braemar to uh, Lochalata Lodge with um, Challenge Legends, um, Alan Sloman and Phil Lambert, who are both all of a sudden hanging back and looking as though they're going to refuse to speak. We've um, quite a lot of us had a very relaxing day in Braemar. Alan has kindly agreed um, to say a few words just to uh, give us an idea of what kind of a crossing he and Phil have had so far. So, hello, Alan. Hello. Well, the crossing today is interesting because we've never carried so much in all our lives. The food parcel was at the hotel this morning, thank goodness. 
So we filled our rucksacks up with food, then went shopping to go and buy bottles of scotch for tonight, um, a bottle of red and a bottle of white for the cheese and wine, and some cheese for the cheese and wine party tomorrow night. And the rucksacks are unfeasibly heavy, but it's, a, it's not so bad because it's a beautiful evening as we're walking up uh, Glen Calliter up to the lodge. And it's quite lovely. So where did you start this year, you two? Lock Eyelort. Okay. A dreadful start. <laughs> Huge mountains put in the way. My view of Scotland is it's a very inconveniently arranged country. There are too many hills in it. The coasts are far too far apart. And all in all, it's been a dreadful experience. Well, of course, you have the additional burden of having walked with Alan. Indeed, indeed. The first 80 miles were the worst. Yes. The next 80, they were the worst too. So, Alan, um, what, are you, what, what plans have you and Phil got then after? Um, after your cheese and wine tomorrow, where are you going? Oh, we're going to Tarfside, nice and bright and early, so we can bag a room at St Drostan's Hostel. Oh, yes. Where they have tins of beer and lots and lots of bacon butties and baked potatoes, wonderful things like that. We can do all our washing. I'm going to get out of my winter knickers and into some summer knickers, because the winter knickers are just too hot. And then we have a bit of a party at the Mason's Arms, which is lovely, where they bring all the beers and whiskies in, an incredibly reasonable amount, and that's always a good party. And there's usually about 80 challengers in Tarfside, mostly camped on the village playing field. And then we journey on down to North Waterbridge Caravan Park, where there's another party. And this year we're, we're having a little bit of a different finish. Because I promised Uncle Roger we'd never finish in St Cyrus again, having finished there ten times. And so we're finishing at a place called Nether Warburton, which is about one kilometre south of St Cyrus. So, so we're not in breach of our promise to Roger. And that's, uh, well, I think that I finished in Nether Warburton last year. It's lovely. It's a nature reserve, isn't it? I don't know yet. Yes, well, it is. It's a nature reserve and it's beautiful and a lovely sandy beach. And what you should both do, of course, is dash up to the beach and whip off your kit and jump in and go for a short swim. What you... On that note, um, I think we'll, we'll draw this to a close. Um, so thank you very much indeed to Alan and Phil for having a chat. Um, for now then, from me and from Bill and from oh. it's goodbye. warm temperatures of the weekend. You're going to notice it that bit cooler today and a bit more in the way of cloud, but that's not to say it's not going to be a pleasant day. Still a lot of dry weather to come as well. Now we will see some showers coming and going across the northern isles, the far north, and at the moment we'll see some across the northeast and some across eastern Scotland as well during the course of this morning and early this afternoon, but these will tend to clear. It will brighten up a little behind these showers. So, saying that though, we'll see the best of the sunshine around La Havard, towards the Glasgow area, also the southwest. It will be done in Galloway where we'll see the highest temperatures around about 20 degrees are feeling very pleasant here. <laughs> Well, the frivolities of Braemar are soon left behind, as on Sunday morning, most people begin to pick their way slowly out of the town, following the festivities of the day before. Um, this year, I ambled down the road, I say amble, it was about 19 miles, um, to Bawata, um, through the uh, Balmoral uh, estate. Uh, Bawata is a kind of um, sister town, sister village to Braemar, and I've not been there before. Nice walk through the uh, estate. Um, perhaps a bit, little bit of road walking at the end, but Ballater itself is a very, very lovely village. Um, in many ways, more picturesque, uh, more services than Braemar, perhaps. Anyhow, 20 or so challengers had found their way there and pitched at the uh, lovely campsite just on the side of the River Dee and uh, we had a, a nice convivial evening in the Alexander Hotel. Um, so that was uh, Sunday. As for today, well it's been a big day today but uh, 
a, a good day. From Balata, I have travelled straight to Tarfside, um, over Mount Keen, leaving uh, so starting walk about six this morning, and uh, it's a walk of some variety. Um, walk up through a steep path through woods, onto an open plateau, over heather moorland, before descending to a uh, a lovely little um, valley and then climbing uh, Mount King, which is a Munro. Um, it's, uh, it's one of the more accessible of Munros, I guess, and it's, it's by no means a difficult uh, climb. It's just a slow slog. And the descent was reasonably straightforward too. In fact, when you get to the bottom of the Mount King climb, you're very, very near to Tarfside itself. So then I walked into Tarfside, and in the usual hospitable way, I was greeted by the volunteers running the hostel at St Dunstan's with uh, hot bacon sandwiches and a welcome can of beer. I'm camped tonight on the campsite, um, quite a lot of people around, so maybe lots of people to talk to later when uh, the fun and festivities get going in the Tarfside hostel itself, maybe even uh, the Mason's Arms, which is uh, uh, something not for the faint-hearted. Good morning, Well, At the moment, looking at the satellite pictures, some lovely spells of sunshine just now for areas north of the centre belt in particular, and parts of the highlands as well, but clouds will tend to increase during the course of the day. We'll always maintain some showers across more northern parts, the northern Isles, the far north, also the northeast. We really don't want to amount to too much, but staying dry elsewhere. And tonight, a good deal of dry weather, long clear spells, always a few showers across more northern parts, temperatures falling to around 3 or 4 Celsius. That's your forecast. Well, good morning, listeners. It's 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning, and I'm afraid there's been a bit of a gap since I last recorded something. I think that that was uh, about five or six or something on uh, Sunday afternoon, early evening, as I was walking along to Stan and Bill's with Alan and Phil. Anyway, what a fantastic time has been had since then. Uh, quite superb. Um, got to Stan and Bill's and uh, put up the tent immediately. Um, must have been about, I would say, about 20 people there, possibly 25 and uh, so lots and lots of little tents parked outside uh, Calata Lodge. Um, so we put the tent up and went inside. And Stan and Bill had provided uh, delicious food. It was wonderful. There was pasta, but also there was salad um, and, uh, and chicken. Um, and, of course, there was lots and lots of alcohol. So I got something to eat and went to sit in the little room at the back. Um, and uh, a most convivial evening was had. Lots of alcohol was consumed by all of us, um, and uh, then in due course the singing began. Croydon led the singing wonderfully, um, as he always does, and the singing became louder and more raucous and more enthusiastic and more drunken as the evening went on. Um, it was just loads and loads of fun. I actually fell asleep, I understand, cuddled up to Morpeth, um, and having once fallen asleep, I couldn't be waken, woken. So when I think people finally decided to call it a date about 3am, um, I kind of stayed on the couch, woke up there at 5am, thought, gosh, this is a bit odd, what am I doing here, where is everybody else? And went out to the tent, where fortunately little P. Wiggler had been keeping the sleeping bag warm for me, and uh, snuggled up in there until I woke up at, I, both, I suppose, about half past eight um, to find that lots of people around me had more or less packed, um, which is never a pleasant feeling. Um, I, I was supposed to have been walking over to Sheelin of Mark yesterday, but I'd begun to have second thoughts because um, I'd received an invitation to the famous um, Phil Turner, Alan Sloman Cheese and Wine, and it appeared that quite a number of people were planning to attend. Um, and so, uh, well, enthusiastic basically at the prospect of another convivial evening with singing and possibly a spot of alcohol, I decided that I would go. Um, so anyhow, the others had all set off quite some time before me by the time I got my things together. For some strange reason I can't quite put my finger on, everything I touched seemed to fall over. 
and uh, every time I bent down and stood up, my head was swimming, uh, but didn't deter me, so I set up along the path, um, so it was misty, and I was a little bit concerned um, that if I didn't catch the others, I wouldn't be able to see where they were going, because they seemed to be planning quite a complicated route, um, but anyway, I found that... Uh, despite the excesses of the night before, possibly even because of them, uh, because of all that sort of uh, unexpected calorific intake, I was able to whiz pretty quickly up the hill at the start of the day. And so I caught some people and finally caught the leaders. And then um, we all, as I said earlier, wandered over to the most beautiful camp in a remote valley next to a meandering stream. In fact, we're passing the meandering stream now. Um, and, and we made camp there, got the tents up, I got into our down clothing and uh, sat next to the burn with wine and cheese and oat cakes um, and pepperoni and all sorts of things like this and once more convivial company um, freezing to death for about two and a half hours. So there were ten attendees, which I understand is by far a record um, for these events, but it was quite wonderful and anybody who didn't make an effort to, uh, to wander over definitely missed out. It was a quite fantastic evening. So anyway, we're aiming for Tarfside and we hope to get there not long after midday. And I've been promised there'll be bacon sandwiches and all sorts of things. And yet more convivial company this evening in the Masons, which I uh, have yet, this experience I've yet to enjoy. But I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, okay then, listeners. Uh, once again, sorry for the gap, but uh, hopefully uh, normal transmissions will be resumed at this stage. And um, I'll, uh, I'll record something later on in the day. But for now, goodbye. This year's challenge is rather special because uh, this year, for the first time ever, mm -hmm. the editor of TGO, Cameron McNeish, has decided to join us as we cross uh, Scotland. And it's not really your thing, is it? It's not really because I'm, I'm not a very sociable person, Andy. <laughs> you said that, not me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I admit it, I'm not. Too, and, you know, my backpacking trips, I like to go wing into the hills and get away from people for a few days and, and that's what kind of gives me the, I don't know, it gives me the, the, the sort of freedom to think and plan and envision and all these other things so it seems kind of odd to end up at campsites with 20 or 30 or 40 other, other backpackers um, but having said that, it has been a very interesting experience and um, probably quite an illuminating experience because there's, there's a lot of very interesting people about, you know, and, and that's, that, that's made it good I think one of the things that when I first decided to do it that it, it was really wanting to jump more into walking in Scotland after a while of not doing it and I thought well if I do this I walk across at least five or six different landscapes and the social side of the challenge didn't really strike me as something that was particularly appealing until I got to the end of my first one uh, and, and it really is distinctive, isn't it? As you say, there are some very interesting folks around, very generous spirited as well. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that comes across. You, 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 you meet some first timers, and they'll tell you tales of having, you know, blisters, and somebody's gone out of their way to, um, to, you know, to, to fix their feet, or, or, or one chap who had an accident on Loch Monor, um, and. The, the, the landowner apparently took his, his boat from one end of Loch Monor to the other, picked this guy up, took him back to his house, then drove him all the way to Inverness to the hospital. Um, so when you, when you hear of that sort of, um, uh, you know, pe people putting themselves out at the, uh, on, on that level, you know, it's, it's fantastic. And what's really struck me is all the little places we've gone through, people say, oh, TGO Challenge, yeah, and they really go out of their way to you know, make things easy for you, to give you a good time. And that's probably been the highlight for me. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I was coming down one of the little glens parallel to Glen Affric. I think the one in between Affric and uh, photo, uh, photo, between Fort Augustus. And there was a little couple in the front of their little, uh, little bungalow. And sit, sit in the front, they said, oh, you're first through this year. <laughs> They're sitting, waiting for us. Yeah. It's amazing. We met a woman today, just kind of out of Edsel, and she says, oh, is it TGO Challenge time again? I didn't realise it was that time of the year again, so it seems to come round very quickly. But it's good. And people now, you know, it's the 31st year. People um, are now expecting people to come through uh, and, you know, and, and putting on a whole lot of services. Like, you know, last night at, at Tarside, uh, absolutely wonderful. A little guy came out and opened up, <laughs> opened up the, um, the 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 um, 
Masonic Lodge <laughs> bars so that we could go in there. And, and we kind of bought them at the, the what I assume were the Masonic Lodge prices, uh, all these booze. And it was terrific. And I think there must have been 40 challengers in that little bar last night. Um, and it was a lot of fun because we'd been in St. Drostens, which is a kind of, I think it's some, some sort of Christian centre earlier on. And of course, the challenge organisers take that over every year and they put on meals and you can buy tea and coffee and beer. And I'd been in there for a beer and I said, I'll come back down later on and have another beer. And then I heard the, the, um, the, 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 the lodge was opening up, so I thought, this is a bit of a kind of re- religious booze up here. Um, we'll do a pub crawl in Tarside. We'll start in the, the Christian centre at St. Drostens, have a couple of beers, then we'll move on to the Masonic Lodge and have a couple of beers. There, are, great. there can't be many events where you do that. No. I, I'm quite interested in... I mean, the magazine's had a long association, obviously, with this event, and, 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 it, and it must... It must have an impact on the magazine as well. Particularly these days, you look at the number of international entrants we've got, the number of young people who, of course, are coming to it via the internet, via blogs, via you know all kinds of things. That, that, that must be having a bit of an impact on the magazine. Yes, it does. I mean, TGO's on a bit of a high just now. It's doing quite well. Circulation's on the increase and you know, advertising uh, revenues is doing very, very well, considering the recession and everything else. So um, it, it, it's, it's pretty good. And I think the challenge is part of that. You know, there has been... I think there has been a bit of... Um, Almost, almost a regrowth in the challenge in the past few years. And, and you'll remember, um, you know, maybe, I don't know how long ago, three or four years ago, we started our, our, our lighten up campaign and get people to you know, think about... It's been very successful, and hasn't it? It has, and it's gone well. And you can see it here. Look at the, you know, the number of uh, very, very lightweight tents that are around here. And the very fact that the, the challenge can entice... Um, someone like Henry Shires across from the States, um, who is one of the innovators of this whole ultra lightweight. Tell you what, have you walked with him? I haven't walked with him, no. God, he goes like a train. <laughs> oh, well, I don't want to walk with him then. <laughs> he wouldn't walk with me for very long. But, it, you know, it's true. And it, so I think we've, 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 that, that's reflected in the magazine's growth, I think. Um, and I think, you know, T. Joe now probably stands for the, that sort of ultra-lightweight backpacker. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, you know, people like Chris Townsend and I have been arguing in the outdoor industry for the best part of 30 years for lightweight equipment. And it's great to see it happening now. I spoke to a guy the other day who was interested in some of the lightweight stuff and, and we were putting his leg. He said, no, no, he said, because ultimately he said, he said, this is not for me, but I know this stuff's going to move through into the mainstream and uh, I'll benefit that way eventually. I think that's right. When you, why you've got these very, very lightweight tarp tents, um, you, you, you'll find that you know, the companies like Hilleberg are now thinking of reducing the weight of the actor just a little bit. Um, you know, companies like Vaudi, I've got one of their tents now with a two-person tent at two and a half pounds. Um, so the mainstream companies are recognising there's a market there. And, you know, having just walked across, well, almost just walked across the whole of Scotland, I want to reduce my pack weight even further because it's still too damn heavy. Yeah, um, you, you, you do tend to, to think about that. Take us through your gear that you've got this year and uh, what's been particularly good for you? Well, I've kind of cheated a little bit because um, at Dalwhinnie, because... I live only 10 miles from Dalhwini. I phoned up a friend, phone a friend if you're in trouble. And um, I, I changed my boots. He, he came home, picked me out, took me home, and I changed my boots, I changed my pack, uh, and changed my sleeping bag. Now, the sleeping bag was because I had packed uh, a, you know, a real three-season bag because the night before we left the challenge, it was minus three, and I thought it was going to be really cold. But then the weather changed. It actually became quite warm. So I've, I've now got a, a go-like adrenaline uh, sleeping bag, which is which is pretty good. It's 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 a summer bag. Um, it's only got a short zip on it, so it's it's actually been fine. Uh, I've been using the new Vaudi Power Lizard t- tent, which is at two and a half pounds. You know, you, you can't better that. There's a few of them about on this challenge. Yeah, there are. Yeah, and and while I think there's still a bit of work to be done on it, it's 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 kind of flimsy, and I'm not sure how long it'll last. Um, and I'm not convinced it's a two-person tent for two weeks. Two-person tent for a mountain marathon or maybe a long weekend, I think, if you're very good friends, that's fine. My wife and I have been married for 38 years, so um, we, we get on reasonably well and we kind of know each other's habits and tents, so we, we've coped for the two weeks. So that's been, that's been quite good. I started off with, um, uh, with a Gregory, the new Gregory Z55 pack, which is sort of a number of improvements on the original Gregory Z pack, which I've been using as my favourite pack for maybe four or five years now. 
And I was actually quite disappointed in it. It's much, much heavier. It's almost twice the weight of the, the original. Really? Yeah, so it's too heavy. It's about four and a half, almost five pounds. Um, and while it's very comfortable, it, it, it felt like a straight jacket on me. Um, and as soon as I could, I, I dumped it and, and went back to an old, flimsy, lightweight um, Gregory Z pack, which has been great and it's, it's, it's worked fine. But I think this is part of the problem, Andy. You know, people make a really good lightweight product, then other people come along and say, Yeah, well, it'd be good if it had this on it or that on it. And Particularly this, when you're trying to break into mainstream markets. Ab absolutely, and I think that's what's been happening. So we've ended up with, with a very nice pack, but really too heavy for my use. And it's got one of these sort of sprung curved backs, which I think is a complete waste of time. Um, it's supposed to stop you getting a sweaty back, mm. but I get a sweaty back. Yeah, if, yeah. I, if I go up a hill without a pack on, I still get a sweaty pack. So I think it's, it's, it's a bit of a marketing ploy. Uh, and the first thing I did with it was sort of straighten, straighten out and get rid of that sprung back. Um, but it's a nice pack, and I'll, I'll use it again for weekends. But you know, on, on this sort of thing, I want to get the weight down as much as possible. Now I started off with some high tech. Um, ion mask boots because I really wanted to try them out on, on an event like this uh, but they really were just far too hot for my feet um, and my feet were you know they were just heating up desperately badly every day um, and the cuff was rubbing my ankle to hell so I dumped those and, and I brought a pair of uh, Mindel um, I'm not quite sure what they call them Mindel, Mindel something they're very MSR, I think they're called mind light. They're, they're fairly new on the market. Nice, nice and light, yeah. They're, they are very light, and it's a it's a it's a it's a mid it's a mid height boot, so it's not quite a trail shoe, but not much more. Um, and it's nice and light. They're Gore-Tex lining, but I find with a, a Gore-Tex lining and a boot like this, you can stand in a puddle or a stream and you cool your feet off very very easily. Uh, so they've they've actually been terrific. Um, they're great. I've got an MSR uh, Win Pro stove. Um, really because my wife and I are sharing or cooking together. Normally I would use a meth stove, uh, something very, very light. Um, but, yeah, that's worked well. The MSR stove, is, it's, 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 um, it's an old favourite. It works well. I like it because it's independent from the canister mm. connected by tube. I don't particularly like screwing something on the top of a canister particularly when there's two of us, and my wife is just a bit clumsy in the tent, you know. Oh, well, she's not here. No, she's not here, so she can't <laughs> hear me. Um, so that's it, a Thermarest. I'm only a bog-standard Thermarest. Um, and uh, what else have we got? A little bits and pieces, but that, that's, that's it just... Um, did I read somewhere that the publisher of TGO was on this year's event? Yeah, yeah, he did have a go, but um, I got a text from him, and apparently he pulled out after three days. Um, I think he went over... Um, had a fall and, and damaged his knee, um, so he was he was pretty gutted uh, and very embarrassed. <laughs> but, but, but presumably has a lot of respect for the event. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, he loves the event. I mean, he's, he's come to the, the, the dinners the past two years and he's just been gobsmacked by it. And I'm really pleased that we've got a publisher who's taken that sort of interest and he's you know he's got the gear together and he does a bit of walking. Um, I'm a bit gutted for him that he didn't finish because he'll be you know, he'll be really pissed off that a 60 year old like me has uh, has walked across and he hasn't because he's only 37. Um, but he can do it next year. I suppose we should talk a little bit about the uh, the new DVDs and films that you're involved in mm. that, that have been coming out and, and the new trails, um, which which have been particularly successful. You sent me the Sutherland uh, yeah. trail DVD and, and book, which, which I found were both superb. And is that something you want to push out into further? Yes, it is, Andy. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a little company with um, in, in partnership with a, a very old friend of mine, Richard Ells, who's probably Britain's probably Britain's finest adventure filmmaker. Um, he's done some great stuff over the years. And he made my Wilderness Walk series ooh, 10, 15 years ago. Um, and together we do a programme for BBC Scotland every month called The Adventure Show. Uh, well, I say we do. He, he makes a programme. Uh, and I, I, I do a walk uh, every month. Um, so we, we, we do that. We take all my walks <clears throat> from The Adventure Show and we put them on a DVD. We've just brought out the second series of that. Uh, and as a, almost as a spin-off from the adventure show, the first year we did this uh, lovely trail in Sutherland from Loch Inver to Tongue. I must admit, it's it's on my wish list of things to do. It's, it's it's a beautiful part of the country, it really is. It's absolutely gorgeous. And and last year we did a big long walk uh, from a place called Ruahunish at the very end of the Trotternish Ridge on the Isle of Skye down to Broadford, uh, and that was a fantastic walk. Uh, we've put that on a DVD. Um, and this, this summer we're planning a long walk through the Outer Hebrides from Barra 
uh, right up to um, the, the, the northern tip of, of Lewis, uh, and that's for a TV programme. So we're doing that. We're also doing a big rock climbing extravaganza uh, this August. We've got um, Tim Emmett and uh, Dave McLeod, two of our finest young rock climbers, and they're doing five rock climbs, five new routes on five crags on five different islands on five consecutive days. And then they're going to do this new route on Stone Allerdale on Harris, and that's going to be um, filmed live. It'll be a sort of five, six-hour thing on a Saturday afternoon uh, going out live. So that'll be a lot of fun. We tried it two or three years ago in the Cairngorms, and it rained. <laughs> and the BBC, they lost about half a million quid. But um, the BBC, they lose, say they lose that sort of money if a, if a cricket game is cancelled because of rain. So now and again, they don't mind losing a rock climbing. Hole. But yeah, So that'd be fun. So, yeah, we're doing quite a lot of that. Yeah, sort that's of good. I, I'm just thinking about the mainstream media, because uh, if we're lucky sometimes down south of the border, we get the adventure show on the iPlayer if we're lucky, but, but not always. Um, but is, are we going to see more of, of this kind of activity on on the mainstream channels, I mean, you know, even the mainstream digital channels, do you think? Or, or is it still going to remain a very niche? Because there must be a, must be a market um, uh, 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 for, for it. There is definitely a market, and I, and I think uh, Julia Bradbury has shown that there is, there is a market for that sort of thing. Yeah, but to be fair, she looks a bit better than you or I, doesn't she? Of course she does, absolutely. Um, but... But the problem, we find the problem with a lot of these programmes is that you know, the BBC will ask some personality to go and do all the walks. And there's not really the depth of knowledge um, that there should be on some of these programmes. Um, I, th- I think BBC Scotland are very much leading the way in, in what they're doing. But, you know, I think sometimes we shouldn't look towards the, the regular broadcasters. I'm going to be doing a lot of work this year with a guy who's, who's setting up... Um, uh, a, a walking TV channel which will be viewed on the internet. It's um, it, it'll be called Walk Trek Hike, and um, there'll be all kinds of walks from classic um, hill walks, which which I'll be presenting, right down to sort of you know rambles, uh, rambles association type things. And there'll be there'll be features on gear, features on news, and that will be as, as I say viewed on on the internet you know, you'll 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 be at www dot whatever it is uh, and people can go on there the program will be changed every week and it'll just be like a television channel and I, you know richard else now convinced that that's the future of, yeah, of broadcasting not would. just for what we do uh, sort of niche market things but for all kinds of broadcasting well cameron it's been great talking to you as ever and uh, best of luck for the new year and uh, let's hope tgo thrives and all these other little ventures uh, uh, well, make you a comfortable man. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I've been in the situation where I've, I've, I've been editing uh, TGO for the best part of 20 years, and it's been a, an absolutely fantastic job. I'm now handing over the editor's reins to Emily Rodway, who is much younger and much prettier than I am, and will do a much better job, I'm sure. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to be... They've given me the title of editor-at-large, which... <laughs> which just means you can go wherever yeah, you want. doesn't mean I can eat as much as I want, <laughs> but, but, yeah, it means that I can go away and, basically, I'll be doing what I started doing about 35 years ago, was, and that was, you know, going outdoors, writing about it um, and, and having stuff published, so I've kind of gone full circle. Um, and while I, I still can do some of the things I want to do, there's a great big list about that length of, of things that I still want to do. Oh, well, I look forward to uh, reading and watching much more about those in the future. Cameron, thanks a lot. My pleasure, Andy. Thank you. of showers for the northern and western isles, the northwest coast, as well as the Lothians and borders. But for the bulk of the country in between, it's a dry and bright start with some spells of sunshine. This afternoon, showers will become more widespread and they'll be heavy at times with a risk of hail and thunder. Southwest Scotland will see the best of the drier weather and temperatures here will reach 15 or 16 Celsius, just nine in the northern isles with quite a fresh northwesterly breeze. Good afternoon, listeners. It's Wednesday, and uh, I'm um, enjoying a very leisurely uh, stroll in the sunshine in the company of uh, Alan Sloman and Phil Lambert um, from Tonfside to Edsel. We wandered down from our sort of high camp at something like 2,200 feet 
the night before um, down to uh, side, arriving there uh, yesterday afternoon at 5 to 2, desperately seeking a room at St. Jostens, but sadly it turned out that all the, all the rooms had gone by half past eight or some bizarrely early hour, and so therefore uh, we went inside and had the bacon butties, which were quite fantastic. I haven't had the bacon butties before, although I've heard a lot about them, and they were just as good as everybody said they were, and uh, we had a cup of tea and a beer to go with them, and then we wandered out to the campsite, and we put up our tents, and there were lots of people there, as there always are, um, and it was very nice seeing everybody again and uh, sort of chatting away and inspecting uh, the way that people had put up their tents. And my tent was put up for me very expertly. And it was noted that the little string thing that goes underneath, I'm using an actor this year, and it was noted that the string thing that goes underneath was too long. So that's apparently the explanation for why I can't sit up in it. So it's been shortened for me this morning, and I'm looking forward to trying out uh, the newly revised actor when we get to the North Waterbridge campsite this evening. Dinner at St. Drosten's was wonderful last night. I've heard about that too, but I haven't experienced it before. Um, but I put my name down for the 6.45 sitting and had uh, the best baked potato I've had for years. And none of these nasty sort of steamed microwave things at St. Drosten's. These are real potatoes baked properly in the oven, um, coming out all large and lovely with crispy skins and fluffy white interiors. And I had mine with the cheese, although it was possible to have it with tuna or with chilli, and there was a little bit of salad to go with it, and a bit of coleslaw, and a glass of red wine. Um, thank you very much, and cheers to Tim and Kate for that. It was lovely. And then we did a little bit of washing up, and after that, uh, a sort of group of us, well, almost all of us, I think, made our way over to the Mason's Arms, where we enjoyed a very convivial evening. And um, I'm not sure what time it was when we went to bed. It must have been pretty late. We weren't quite the last people out, um, but we were verging on it. So, stumbled back to the tents, got in, enjoyed another comfortable night's sleep on the Neoa, and uh, I didn't wake up this morning until a um, desperately late hour of something like half past seven. Um, but fortunately, it turns out that the others didn't wake up until that time either, and there was no great rush to get going. Um, so, we sort of leisurely took down the tents, um, and then wandered over to St. Drosten's for breakfast and had more bacon sandwiches, which was, uh, which was lovely again, and a big mug of steaming tea. So after that, we set out from St. Drosten's along the road towards Edsel, and in a mile or so we came to the retreat and nipped in for a second breakfast. So uh, Phil tucked into some kind of coronation chicken bun thing, sandwich bap, um, and uh, I can't remember what Alan had. Um, I had a nice chocolate milkshake and a pot of tea um, and we wandered back out again about an hour later into the sun and we're just uh, wandering very slowly um, but comfortably and steadily along the road towards Edsel. Um, Phil and Alan have promised to show me uh, a beautiful route <coughs> excuse me, that goes down a gorge so I'm looking forward to that. So there we are, can't think of anything else to say at the moment so from me for now um, approaching one o'clock, it's goodbye. The walk down to Edsel from Tarfside is one of the uh, the great moments of the challenge. It may be coming to an end and it might be quite sad, but it's a beautiful walk along the uh, uh, glen there before sampling the delights of the tuck-in at Edsel. I'm wandering down to the North Waterbridge campsite, which although it's close to a main road, which is something that we haven't seen much of in the last two weeks, uh, is uh, very reasonably priced and very comfortable, great pictures. And here I've got with me Philip, who's come over from the United States. Phil, you spent a lot of time preparing for this and, and talking about it on your blog. Has Scotland matched those expectations? Uh, uh, Im immensely, actually. Um, I, uh, I think what I wasn't expecting uh, was the beauty of the countryside, um, I mean, every single the, the you know the many different ecosystems and um, uh, scenes and waterfalls and rivers and mountains, just incredible. Two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's similar in the states. So, if if you walk in the Alps or the Pyrenees or any of the kind of high alpine um, areas in Europe, I mean, it's great. You can have two weeks walking there, and it's great walking. But it is very similar. Whereas in Scotland. Within three days, you're moving into a new, uh, new terrain, completely. new scenery. Yeah, completely. I mean, if, if you go, um, for example, from uh, you know, within one day, we're on, on Loch Nagar, which is a famous mountain, 
and and then we walk through waterfalls and we get down to to uh, Muck, which is this incredible sort of New Zealand-like wonderland of a, a lock with these cliffs, and then. A few hours later, we're in in the middle of all these peat bogs <laughs> up in the mountains. It's very it's very interesting how fast actually, within one day, you can walk from from uh, being snowed on to being you know up to your your knees in mud. <laughs> how did you discover the challenge, and how long you've been thinking about tackling it? Uh, I discovered the challenge uh, really online through the UK bloggers. Um, you know, I, I, I uh, blogged myself and and formed a lot of relationships with people. And uh, I've always been had a, a great affinity for Scotland. I went to graduate school in Edinburgh and have been back many, many times. So it just sort of made sense to come and meet everybody and, and have a good walk. It's interesting, isn't it, how the young folk that are on the challenge this year... And, and, and the, and the new entrants are getting markably younger, I think. They've, they've nearly all found out about it through the internet, through the blogosphere, through the forums. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's quite exciting. It, it, and there's, it, it's a great mix of people, actually, on, on, the, on the challenge. It's uh, old folks who can walk the young folks into the ground um, and, um, and new people. So it's, it's good to see that there's fresh blood coming into the challenge. And that social side of the challenge comes as a bit of a surprise, doesn't it? I mean, you hear about it, but it, but it really is a, you know, really is a massive part of the experience. Yeah, actually, and, and only only sort of late blooming as well. I mean, I spent the first nine days pretty much hiking solo, and meeting people along the way and having conversations. But only towards the end did it really become incredible. As everyone converges through various choke points, does it become so social? It's actually a lot of fun. Uh, fun. I've actually made some great friends, actually, for, for walking in the future. And you discovered that it's kind of addictive, I guess. Yeah, I think I'll definitely be back. <laughs> I, I could see the, doing this every year. Great. Now um, Phil's sitting with me amongst a group of lightweight aficionados, and uh, gear's obviously a, a big interest of yours, and you've chosen it carefully. So take us through the gear that's worked this year and, and has really performed. Oh, well, well, one big transition for me this year was um, doing the challenge in uh, Innovate um, uh, Terox. Uh, it was really the first long hike I've done in trail runners, and they performed brilliantly. I mean, I'm a complete convert. Uh, no blisters. Um, they stink a little bit, but, but they were fantastic for fording rivers and, and streams. Really a fantastic choice. Um, I had a... a uh, Mountain Laurel designs uh, Duomid uh, in Cuban uh, fiber that performed absolutely fantastically, and I have stunning photos <laughs> of it in, a, in all kinds of settings. And I also had a Cuban fiber backpack uh, from zpack.com that, that uh, worked really well. Now, we've talked quite a lot about the Duomid because there were so many on this year's challenge, but um, the Cuban packs are quite interesting. I, I, when I returned from last year's challenge, I decided I was going to get one of the Duomids. I figured that was probably the, the tent to go. And I was about to order a, a Cuban pack from Ron Bell at uh, MLD when he decided to stop making them, at least at least for the while. So how have you found the Z-Pack? I, I found it pretty good. Um, it's got good balance. Um, it, it carries pretty well. I've been carrying about um, between 15 and 20 pounds throughout the challenge with, with food and, and water. Uh, it gets a little bit uncomfortable after, in, the, in the shoulder harness after about six continuous days of walking. But uh, if you take a rest day, that's, it, it's just fine after that. Yeah, well, maybe, uh, maybe Cuban fiber is the way we're going to go because certainly looking at these geomids, there's a bit of a breeze blowing around here and they're, they're not moving at all. They're absolutely rock solid, aren't they? Now back to the walking again. Um, what have been the real highlights? Well, I think certainly Lochnagar was one. Um, I think uh, Glen Affric and uh, coming into Affric from uh, Shield Bridge was another great day. Uh, I, I, I'd almost say every day was fantastic. Um, uh, frankly, coming um, uh, from Fort Augustus to uh, Lagan was actually quite beautiful, although a difficult walk. Yeah, that, that famous Kareo yeah. yeah. Pass, which is okay exactly. till you start coming down. Yeah, coming down is, is a little bit rough. It's showing its age, which is, I think, 300 years old now. But uh, going up, it's a great walk. And, and what's amazing is that there's so 
one is that you're in complete wilderness, complete wilderness. There's no one around, and um, uh, and you can walk anywhere. I mean, the the access rights in Scotland are really fantastic. So it's a very different experience than in the U.S. And with wild camping positively being encouraged, some of those wild campsites are just stunning, aren't they? Stun- stunning. I I got great pitches night after night, um, and you know next to beautiful uh, rivers or streams. Uh, underneath mountains. It was really incredible. Now, planning an event like this is bad enough when you're sitting here in the UK, but planning it when you're based, I don't know, 3,000 miles away must be must be pretty difficult. I know a lot of people listen to these thinking one day we'll do it, particularly people in the States. So how did you go about actual route planning, Phil? Um, actually, I, I uh, hooked up with Martin Rye um, over the Internet. Uh, and he has a blog called Summit and Valley. And um, uh, he turned me on to uh, MapEx, which is a software program. And I, I got some maps, uh, digital maps, and planned out my routes. Actually, I planned out my routes, I think, 14 times uh, until I decided on, on the perfect route. And... And after all that planning, it still wasn't enough. You actually have to really have local knowledge to really understand what you're getting into um, and, and what routes to take. But uh, it was terrific fun planning. I mean, I read all kinds of books, and I found great websites and made a lot of uh, personal connections with the bloggers, asking questions. And, of course, there's the challenge message board which is great fun. So there, there is a lot of information, but um, what, what I hope to do when I get back is actually write up sort of a TGO challenge for, for Yanks, a, advice on how to plan uh, a challenge trip. That would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, most of us, about this time, inevitably start thinking about where we might start next time. <laughs> has, has that crossed your mind? Well, I, I think I'd, I'd actually like to start farther north. Um, uh, it, it, you know, the, I did a low-level, what's called a low-level route, which was actually quite challenging, but there weren't a lot of tops or, or, or Monroes along the way. And so I'd like to actually do a little bit rougher country next time through. Well, it's worth it. You'll get the value out of it. Philip, thanks very much for that, and have a great last wander down to the coast. Well, thank you. I can't wait to actually uh, dip my feet, my smelly terox ter- uh, into, the, into the ocean. That will be a, a highlight of the trip. And the delights of Montrose await. Yes. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Andy. Well, good evening, listeners. It's Shirley here. It's about 20 past six, and I am walking in um, a slow but steady procession of Alan, Phil, and me from Edsel down to the campsite at Northwater Bridge. We had a, a really beautiful day, really, walking to Edsel from Tarfside. We did a lot of walking along the road initially, but then at Phil's suggestion... We turned right into the woods and headed down into a little gorge, um, passing uh, something called the Rocks of Solitude. I think it's called the Blue Gate Walk, um, and it was very pretty indeed. We started first of all with uh, uh, the river on our right, and then at one stage we crossed over it, and it was we continued with it along our left. And, uh, and it was really beautiful. Uh, the weather was pretty good for most of the day. Uh, we had two periods of rain. The first was when we took a little break in the woods. But fortunately, we were sitting down on a bench that Phil and Alan already knew was there. And we were covered uh, by a canopy of trees, and so therefore it didn't affect us. And the only other rain, really, we encountered was that which began when we arrived at Edsel and went into the Tuck Inn to get something to eat. And it started raining outside. Um, it's been drizzling a little bit, I suppose. Um, since we left but the sun's just in the process of coming back out again and Phil's little uh, cunning little watch gadget tells him that um, conditions are improving so we're hoping that it is a passing shower that will soon be past us and we're hoping that by the time we get to the campsite it won't be raining any longer so that we won't have to put up the tents in the rain so the tuck-in was magnificent as it always is so uh, I'm not sure how much more um, of this road there is ahead of us before we get to the campsite but I think that it's probably at least another hour. I do recall it has been quite a quite a trek but it's very pleasant really you know we've not um, hammered the roads at any stage today we've been on the road for most of the day but we haven't been dashing along and so therefore my feet aren't hurting particularly Um, rucksack feels fairly comfortable and um, well it's hard to believe that we've reached that stage of the challenge where it's the last day tomorrow Um, 
really, uh, I'm not quite sure what's happened to the last few days. They seem to have gone back, gone past so quickly. Um, so, well, when we get down to the campsite, I hope to see some, I know I'll see some familiar faces because we passed a few of them um, as we were walking into Wedzell, they were walking out. And I know from what people said this morning at Toffside that that's where a lot of people were going. So um, I know that there'll be people there who I've been seeing regularly over the course of the last four, four or five days, however long it is since we left Braemar. But I hope to see some other people who perhaps uh, I haven't yet um, seen on this year's challenge. Once again, that's that from me for now. And uh, I'll either record something for you later on this evening or um, in the course of the morning. Uh, at that stage, presumably, as I'm on my way to the coast. On the last couple of days, the footsteps get slower, even if the rucksack is lighter. Everyone knows that normal life is looming, and the past two weeks are already blurring into one magical trip, where the next conversation you have with established challenge friends will just pick up where they left off, no matter how much time falls between them. Andy has already arrived at the East Coast, so Shirley will be finishing in the next episode as he begins to make his weary way back home. A more detailed account of their crossing with pictures and kit lists, etc., can be found on their blogs. Andy's is andyhowl.info. Shirley's is pwiglet.com. Plus, of course, the website dedicated to the event itself, tgochallenge.co.uk. Join us next time as the journey across Scotland continues on the TGO Challenge. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To hear more from our extensive free library, please visit the website at theoutdoorstation.co.uk. You can now follow The Outdoor Station on Facebook, where we chat about each programme we produce, answer questions and discuss future productions. Why not join us there? This podcast is produced and hosted by theoutdoorstation.co.uk.